Now, we are uh, continuing this series called Missing Something, and uh, most of the week I have been missing something, which is a healthy voice. And so uh, my voice held up in first service. I'm hoping it will hold up again here in second service. Uh, unlike at, I don't know if you guys have ever had that, like, middle of the night, you wake up and you, like, legit just cannot stop coughing. I had that last night for about 45 minutes. It was great. But it has not happened this morning, so you can pray with me that it will not happen in this service. But the premise of this series, the premise of this Missing Something series is that all of us at some point in our lives or maybe at a lot of points in our lives, we have this nagging feeling that despite all that we might possess, despite all that we might have access to, that we are still missing something. As young adults, we feel this pressure to pick a career and to find a spouse. It's that whole ring by spring thing, right, Messiah students? Because we feel like, what, if we don't, we might be missing something. As we grow older and we look around at other people and we see, oh, they've got kids. Maybe I'm supposed to have kids and and their kids are involved in all the things. I guess my kids should be involved in all the things. Or we feel like we've got to find that next best piece of technology that will make our life even easier. Because if we don't, we might be missing something. It seems like our culture has bought into this myth that says, if I can buy see, do, and experience whatever I want, if I am free to pursue anything that I would like to pursue, then I'll find fulfillment. And yet here in 2020, in this moment in history, when we have more freedom than ever before to pursue an infinite number of things for our own fulfillment, instead we find the opposite to be quite true, that there is more anxiety and more unfulfillment in people's lives than maybe ever before. And so that begs the question then, what are we missing? Last week, we started working on answering that question. We said that each of us have two very basic longings that must be met in order for us to be fulfilled. And we dove last week into the first of those two longings, the longing for belonging, (laughs) this great need we have to find deep connection and deep acceptance And we talked about the importance of finding belonging in relationships with God's family. But we also identified that the only perfect connection, the only perfect love, the only perfect grace, it comes from belonging to God as his son or daughter and finding our identity in God's perfect love for us. See, Jesus came to provide us something called justification. That's a big fancy word I just learned in my schooling. (laughs) Here's what that means. It means that through his death and resurrection, Jesus made a way for us to be in a relationship with God and be fully known by him, but yet still fully loved by him. Justification means that Jesus' actions make it just as if we've never sinned in God's eyes. And it's a crazy, mind-blowing concept, one that empowers us to experience true belonging in God's family. And yet, even though Jesus did this amazing thing for us, I think oftentimes we have a tendency to forget it. We have a tendency to forget when we're facing the challenges and the circumstances of life, the power that that extends to us. We have a tendency to forget who we are in God, even amidst all of our screw-ups and all of our failures. And so we're actually going to start out the message this morning by taking some time to remember (laughs) taking some time to remember that Jesus loves us the way that he did, and because of that, he did what he did for us on the cross. And we're going to do that this morning by celebrating communion. 
Communion is meant to serve as that, as a reminder, a reminder of the power of the grace and forgiveness that has been offered to us through the priceless work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Communion is also, though, this beautiful opportunity for us to restate our need for Jesus as a Savior and to reset our lives to submit to his leadership. And so Joe and Angie are going to come, and they're going to sing a song this morning that just reminds us of those truths, of the amazing love of God for us and what he invites us into, the relationship with him he invites us into. And as we do, the communion elements are going to be passed down your rows. And so as they come by you, feel free to grab the elements and hold on to them. But I want you to let the words of this song, this song of invitation from God, wash over you. And then after this song, I'll lead us in taking communion together. Standing at your door, my heart is calling yours. Come fall into my arms. You're weary from it all, been running for too long. Don't be Don't be So you would remember my name. I made it all for you. But you are my masterpiece. And you are the reason I sing. And this is my song.
Jason's gift of organization. Let's pray. God, thank you for the invitation that you give us, that you dare us to believe just how much you love us. Jesus, thank you for proving that love to us by having your body broken so that we could be made whole. Let's take the bread. Remember Jesus' body broken for us. And God, thank you for the invitation into your family, the invitation through your blood to enter into a new covenant a new relationship with you, a covenant that has nothing to do with us trying to earn your love and acceptance, but instead of being loved and accepted through what Jesus earned for us. Let's take the cup together. Remember, Jesus' blood poured out on our behalf.
God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you welcome us into your presence just as we are. But thank you that through the blood of Jesus, we can be made new. The old is gone and the new has come. And you invite us to live in that new identity. God, we love you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's amazing to belong. It's amazing to be a son or a daughter in the family of such a good God. And belonging is one vital need that we have. But a second need, a second basic longing that must be met in order for us to flourish is meaning. Need number one is belonging, but need number two is meaning. God created us with a deep desire to know that our life has meaning, that we are making a difference, that who we are and what we do really matters. In his famous book, Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl, who was a man who lived through the gruesome experience of the Auschwitz World War II concentration camps, he shared an observation that those people who survived their time in those camps, they were not the strongest, they were not the best fed, but they were people who had a deep sense of meaning that kept them going. Despite their incredible suffering, those people who derived meaning and found some sense of purpose in their circumstances were the ones who survived. And so for us, whatever our circumstances, whether right now we're walking through a season of joy or a season of suffering or a season of the soul-numbing mundane, every single one of us needs to know that our life, our experience has deeper meaning, that somehow we are connected to a larger story. And we've all gone about searching for meaning in different ways, haven't we? I mean, some of us have searched for meaning by engaging in a cause. Some of us have searched for meaning in trying to be successful at work or in school and trying to gain a good reputation. Some of us have searched for meaning through endless schooling or degrees or through reading many, many, many books. Some of us have searched for meaning in giving our kids opportunities that we wish we could have had when we were kids. And if we're honest, some of us have probably searched for meaning trying to live vicariously through our children. In my side job, I work as a school police officer for Mechanicsburg School District, and yesterday uh, was the district wrestling sectionals tournament. And I'll tell you that I think some of the dads in the room may have been a little more excited and a little more passionate about their own kids' wrestling performance than the kids were themselves. I'm sure you've experienced this in some uh, form or fashion in youth sports. But we put a lot of energy into all of these different pursuits for meaning and yet, if we're honest, even in these what can be perceived as good pursuits, we still very often experience a sense of emptiness, a, a feeling of something missing. Because even though these pursuits are noble, the meaning that we find from them oftentimes tends to be temporary. And so despite all of our best efforts, despite all of the good things that we toss into the fulfillment pits of our lives, we're never quite able to fill that thing up. It ends up feeling like a bit of a bottomless pit. And so the question then is, what will give us that sense of meaning that we so desperately desire? 
Today we're going to look at a story from the book of Luke, chapter 5, and see uh, in this story what we can learn together about how we can find this deep sense of meaning in our lives. And so if you haven't already, you can go ahead and pull your outline out of your program guide, or you can open your Bible, you can open your Bible app, whatever it is that you use to follow along as we dive in. So a little bit of context to this passage. The story in this passage happened early in Jesus' ministry. He was grown, and he had already uh, gone through this period of being tested and tempted by the devil in the wilderness. He had been baptized by the most famous preacher of the day, who also happened to be his cousin, John the Baptist. He had cast demons out of people. He had even healed Simon Peter's mother. (laughs) He had not yet called the disciples, but he had started this public preaching ministry, and that's actually what he was doing in the story that we're going to take a look at today from Luke 5, and we're going to start in verses 1 to 3. It says, As Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, otherwise known as Peter, its owner, to push out into the water. And so he sat in the boat, And he taught the crowds from there. So Jesus was preaching. Now, who knows how long he was preaching until he got to this point where he realized, like, when I started, I had a little bit of space around me. But now, all of a sudden, the crowds are pressing in on me so much that maybe I need to go and reclaim some of my personal space. (laughs) And the picture that I get is of a little kid at his birthday party sitting on the floor trying to open his presents. If you've ever been to like a three-year-old's birthday party, you know it's just total mass chaos. And as soon as the presents come out, all the other kids are trying to push in and they keep getting closer and closer. They try to open the present that's not theirs, right? One of the smartest things that I ever did at one of my kids' birthday parties was put a big tape line on the floor and make sure all the other kids stayed behind the tape line. But so Jesus, kind of clamoring for some space, realized that the fishermen who had just finished their fishing shift had left their boats sitting nearby while they were cleaning their nets. Now, if we didn't know that Jesus and Peter had some previous interaction together, it might have been a little bit weird for Jesus to just be like, hey, Peter, I'm going to climb onto your boat, and can you push me out into the water? But because they knew each other, because Peter was most certainly grateful for the work that Jesus had done healing his mother-in-law, he was happy to oblige. And while he was happy to oblige, I have to wonder if he honestly was just at that point ready to go home and go to bed after a long night of fishing. He had to be exhausted. I mean, do you ever get to the end of your work shift or to the end of your school day or stay-at-home moms? You get to the end of a day of dealing with your kids' shenanigans, and you just realize you kind of have this, like, glazed-over look. (laughs) You're kind of walking around like a zombie. You're tired. You're ready to take a nap. Or do you ever get so caught up in the daily ritual of the mundane that you almost become unaware of anything else that is happening around you. I kind of wonder if that's where Peter was at in this story. Kind of tired of just running in the same old ruts. Showing up, getting in the boat, pushing off, dropping the nets, picking the nets back up, putting the fish back in the boat, going back to shore and doing the same thing day in and day out. I mean, sure, he had this job that hopefully provided the income that he needed, But I wonder if he was feeling like he was missing the significance of what his life was supposed to be all about. Sure, he could fish. He could try to grow that business. Maybe eventually he would own multiple boats and grow wealth. But what would it all mean to him? 
What would make his life and his existence have true, lasting meaning? Or do you ever sit and wonder in all of the different instances where Jesus is preaching to a crowd, why was the crowd there? What is it that they were looking for? I wonder if they, like we often do at times, were just listening intently to Jesus and Jesus' words because they thought, there's got to be something more to this life than what I'm experiencing in my day-to-day existence. And here's the good news. It's that this crowd's search for meaning led them to the best possible source that it could. It led them straight to Jesus. And our search for meaning needs to lead us to the same place, the best place. The search for meaning leads us to God. Because apart from God, our search for meaning often ends up focusing more on self-fulfillment. Like, what can we do for ourselves to make ourselves feel fulfilled? And we become engaged with just trying to live our best lives or moving from one feel-good moment to the next or chasing down every temporary high, as Stacey Arico may have sang in the early 2000s in her hit song, if you have any uh, early 2000s Christian music fans in here. But despite all of these efforts to fulfill ourselves, they end up falling short, right? We don't find the meaning that we're looking for in self-fulfillment. We still feel like we're missing something. Or maybe we try to find meaning and fulfillment in activity. Does anyone else buy into the lie that maybe if I'm active, maybe if I'm busy, then my life must mean something, right? Or maybe we search for meaning in being entertained, consuming any kind of content that we can. Endless TV shows, endless Netflix binging, right? YouTube videos, endless scrolling on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever other six social media platforms the teenagers are into these days that we have no clue anything about, right? But Jesus invites us into a richer experience with a richer meaning. And that's what Peter and the other fishermen were about to experience in Luke 5. Let's continue the story in verse 4. It says, when he, when Jesus had finished speaking, when he was done preaching, he said to Simon, to Peter, he said, now go out where it is deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, I can sense his hesitation. We worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. Like, do you really want me to go back out there and do that again? But he ends up saying, but if you say so, I will let the nets down again. Now, I want to stop there because there's so much richness in those two verses. First of all, I want you to put yourself in Peter's shoes. Peter fishes for a living, right? He's a professional fisherman. He knows what he's doing. And yet he and his crew fished all night and they caught nothing. And in waltzes Jesus, who does not fish for a living, (laughs) and he's giving Peter direction on how to fish. Now, for more context here, It was a well-known fact in that time that in the Sea of Galilee, this body of water where Peter and his men were fishing, that the best way to catch fish was to fish at night and to fish in the shallow water. Exactly what Peter and the rest of the fishermen had been trying to do for the last eight plus hours. (laughs) Not out in full daylight or in deep water like Jesus is trying to give direction for them to go into. Years and years of fishing experience and generations and generations of fishermen like Peter just said that's how fishing on this body of water works. And so imagine what's going on in Peter's mind when Jesus offers him this direction. 
I mean, do you ever have anybody out there who doesn't do your job but thinks they know how to do their job better than you? <laughs> any referees or coaches out there? Any public servants? Any teachers out there? I'm always amazed looking in at how much parents think they know how to teach a lot better than teachers do. Blows my mind, right? And in so many of our jobs, there are people out there who think they know how to do our job better than we do, and that's kind of frustrating, and it's a little bit insulting, isn't it? And yet here's Jesus saying, Peter, hey, I know you're a professional fisherman and all, and I know you were out there all night doing your thing. I know you think you were executing on the best plan for the moment, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to go drop your nets in the deeper water. Jesus says, push out into deeper waters. Push out into deeper waters. And in that moment, Peter had a choice. He could obey Jesus and he could launch out, or he could follow his own instincts and decline. And Peter didn't know it, but his choice in that moment was pivotal for the direction of the rest of his life. And I believe that Jesus' invitation to Peter in that moment is an invitation that he offers to us often as well. Would you push out into the deeper waters? Would you take the chance that something glorious, that something miraculous might happen because you're doing it with me? When I ask you to, would you go beyond what you know? Would you go beyond what you're used to? Would you go beyond where you're comfortable, beyond what makes sense? And would you trust that I am going there with you to work in and through you? Inside, Peter's got to be thinking, Jesus, I've done this my whole life. Trust me, this isn't going to work. And I bet you've had those conversations with God as well. Those moments where you're like, God, listen, I, I know you're smart and all. I know you're God, but sometimes I just wonder if you really understand how things work. I mean, you want me to forgive that person that hurt me? Do you even understand what they did to me? Or you want me to apologize to my spouse and my kids? God, I was the one who was right. <laughs> or you want me to pray for my hurting friend? But they don't even know you. Or what if I don't do it right? Or what if nothing happens? Or what if worse yet, they're offended and I lose that friendship? I'm sure you've all had those, but you don't understand moments with God. Like Peter must have found himself having out in that boat. But I want us to take a look at how Peter responds. Because to me, I think it's one of the most beautiful responses in scripture. And it's one that we also can offer back to Jesus in our own lives. Peter's like, listen, Jesus, this doesn't really make sense. But because you say so, I will. Those words, that little phrase that Peter utters has the power to change our lives and give us incredible meaning. As I look back over my own life, as I look at the things that have shaped me, the things that have grown me by leaps and bounds, every single one of those moments came from me saying, Jesus, I don't know if I really want to. This doesn't really make much sense to me. This wouldn't be my choice. But because you say so, I will. Jesus, raise money to go on a missions trip where I can't speak the language, where I might have to eat foods that are going to make me gag, where I might have to sleep in uncomfortable places, where I might be thrust into uncomfortable situations. <laughs> I don't know if I really want to. That doesn't really make sense to me. But because you say so, I will. 
Jesus, join a small group when I feel incredibly insecure in who I am. Be vulnerable with other people I don't know about my faults, about my life, about my journey with you. I don't know if I really want to. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. But because you say so, I will. Jesus, face my brokenness head on. Admit to others and admit to you the ways that I've fallen short of your best. Expose my depravity to them and to you. Actually feel the pain in my life. Name it. Sit with it. Journey through it. Jesus, I don't know if I really want to. That doesn't really make much sense to me. But because you say so, I will. Or Jesus... (laughs) Become a pastor when I feel totally unqualified, when I'm afraid I'm not good enough or that I'll screw something up. Become a pastor when it requires me to do a bunch of studying and testing and interviewing that might expose that I don't know everything that I'm supposed to know. I don't know if I really want to. It doesn't really make much sense to me. But Jesus, because you say so, I will. And in each of these instances and in so many more, Jesus comes to me and he comes to you and he says, push out into the deeper waters. Let's do this together. And in each of these instances and so many more, Jesus says, watch the miracle that I'm going to do in and through your life. Watch how I'm going to bring about my glory through you. Watch how I'm going to change you and you're never going to be the same. I'm so thankful for the work that Jesus does in us when he is with us in the deeper waters. I want to go back to the story and see what happened for Peter when he quite literally pushed out into the deeper waters with Jesus. Verse 6. It says, And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Now, can you picture, after a night of literally catching nothing, the incredulous look on these fishermen's faces? I love this picture of the overflowing nature of Christ's power and Christ's presence in our lives. The nets starting to tear. The previously empty boats filled to the point that as they made their way back to the shore, they actually started sinking lower and lower into the water. Jesus certainly has abundance and excitement, and meaning for us when we venture out into the deeper waters with him. Continuing in verse 8, it says, When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. And his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And you might wonder when reading these verses, like, what's up with Peter? (laughs) Why did he fall to his knees and proclaim that he was a sinful man? Why was he like, Jesus, you got to get away from me? I think when Peter saw the great power of Jesus to bring about this miraculous event, It made Peter even more increasingly aware of his own limitations. Peter had this moment where he realized that he had almost let his pride, his sense of, I know better than Jesus, get in the way of what God wanted to do in and through him. And it overwhelmed him to the point of this proclamation of his unworthiness. 
But how many times for us in our own lives do we let our pride get in the way? How often do we let our sense of knowing better than God or, but God, you just don't understand. How many times do we let those things get in the way of opportunities to be part of miraculous moments with God? In that moment, because Peter said yes, he got to experience this miracle that was very personal for him. Because he said yes to Jesus, he got to experience fulfillment and meaning in a moment that could have easily, absolutely been totally devoid of it, right? And here's what we can draw from that. That when we say yes to Jesus, we find meaning in his mission. When we say yes to Jesus, we find meaning in his mission. But in order for us to say yes, we've kind of got to know what the question is, right? Learning to become aware of the ways that God is speaking to us, that's one of the most important pursuits in our lives. We spend so much energy listening to what the world says will fulfill us. But what if we took that energy and put it towards putting ourselves in situations where we could hear what God says will fulfill us? What if we put that energy towards his invitations for us to push out into deeper waters? Now, some of the waters that God calls you into will be very different than the waters that he calls everyone else into. There's a special piece of God bringing each of us into different circumstances, into different, deeper waters that he knows we need to venture out into. But there's also some water that he calls all of us to fish in, a mission that he has for all of us. And it's the mission that Jesus invited Peter to join him in in this next part of the story. It says, Jesus replied to Simon, to Peter, and he said, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Underline that phrase, fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Jesus says, Peter, instead of trying to catch fish, I want you to try to catch people. I want you to draw them into the net of my love. I want you to join me on this incredible rescue mission that will span millenniums, a mission that will have ramifications far beyond the limited number of days in your life. And so that we wouldn't be confused and think that this invitation was just for Peter or just for these fishermen, Jesus gives his followers a similar invitation in the verses known as the Great Commission, that when paraphrased, say something like this, Go and help everyone learn how to follow me. Help them come to a saving knowledge of what I've done for them on the cross and teach them how to truly live their best life in a love relationship with me. And this invitation from Jesus isn't just meant to be read as a like, go, go over there, go far away. It's also meant to be read as you go. As you do your job, as you run errands, as you are in relationship with other people, as you are put in chaotic circumstances, help everyone experience my love and help them learn about me. Because here's the truth, and it's a truth that we need to hear in this world that is so polarized and so divided and so filled with hate. The truth is that everyone you lock eyes with Everyone you interact with, everyone on this planet matters immensely to God. 
And here's what that means. That means that every interaction you have with anyone, anywhere, is full of immense opportunity and meaning. The Starbucks barista, (laughs) the bank teller, the kid who shops for your groceries and then brings them out to your car. That's a phenomenon I think I might need to start looking into. (laughs) The person in the next cubicle over from you, the business executives that you conference call with, your spouse, your kids, your kids' teachers, your clients, your bosses, your mailman, your trash man, every single one of them needs God's love. And God wants to use you. He wants to use us, Daybreak, to help others experience it. God wants to use us to bring his healing to hurting people. He wants to use us to bring his forgiveness to people who are stuck in shame. He wants to use us to bring belonging to the lonely. This is his great mission. And you know what else he promises us at the end of this great commission that he offers? He gives us this promise. He says, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And so we have this promise. We have this assurance That as we push into deeper waters, as we push into specific, challenging, unknown places that he calls us to go, he is with us. As we go about our daily lives, as we love people like Jesus, as we teach people about the beauty of a relationship with God, he is with us. As we do whatever we do for the glory of God, and as we pursue a life of deeper meaning by engaging in Jesus' mission, He is with us. He is always with us. And the cool thing about all of these invitations from God is that God doesn't actually need us. He's God. He is all-powerful. He can do whatever he wants. He could accomplish his mission any way that he wants to accomplish it. God doesn't need us, but the beautiful truth is that God wants us. And he wants us to be with him, to live this life engaging in his mission, in his presence, because he knows that when we engage in that kind of life, we will be living a life abounding with meaning. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, there is truly nothing as meaningful as living life with you, being used by you, There's nothing more life-changing and fulfilling than getting to be part of the story of redemption that you are trying to write throughout all humanity. God, thank you for this story this morning from your word that highlights the incredible things that you do, both when we push out into deeper waters with you and when we partner with you on this mission of fishing for people. God, as we get ready to respond this morning, May we be open. May we be attuned to the invitations that you have for us this morning. God, we know that you can speak to us anytime, any place, anywhere, even in the middle of chaos. But we also want to be intentional to leave some space in the stillness to carve that space out to hear from you. And so, God, as we create some moments of stillness here in this moment, would you speak to us? With your eyes closed, I want you to process this question this morning with Jesus. 
Jesus, what deeper waters are you calling me into? Is there something you're calling me to that I don't really want to do, that doesn't really make sense, but that I just need to say back to you, Jesus, because you say so, I will. I want to encourage you to sit in the stillness of this moment and process that question. What deeper waters are you calling me into? God, give us the courage to venture out into those deeper waters with you. And now with eyes closed, I want you to think about your everyday life, the people you encounter, the interactions you have. Who needs you to take some extra time to listen to them? Who needs you to offer them some encouragement and some love? Who needs to hear about the hope that you have found in Jesus? Maybe it's someone in your workplace. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's even one of your kids. But I want you to take a minute to sit with Jesus and ask him to give you his heart for someone who needs to experience his love through you. Who is it that needs to experience God's love through you? Would you compel us? Would you give us the passion and the courage and the boldness to bring your love to that person that you brought to our minds? Jesus, we want to offer our whole lives to you to be used for your glory. Thank you for the opportunity to find deep meaning, both in your miracles and in your mission. Jesus, continue to open our eyes up to the ways that you want to use us. And may our lives be built on knowing your love and giving it away. We love you, and it's in your powerful name we pray. Amen. If Jesus spoke something to you this morning in these moments of stillness, or if you have a prayer request that you'd like our prayer team to be aware of, I want to encourage you to take that response card out of your program guide this morning to record that on there. Or if you'd like, you can go sit with one of our prayer partners back in the prayer room. They'd love to sit with you and to pray for you and to pray over you this morning. As you're ready then, I want to just encourage you as we get ready to sing this last song <laughs> to take what's stirring in your heart and to offer it back up to God as an offering in this last song, to proclaim to him that you will build your life on his love and his mission. This morning, in the next minute, in the next few moments, respond as the Lord leads you.
and then follow the leadership of our worship team.